Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. Hey, you gotta love that song, right? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Can you praise God for that? What a beautiful word that is. And folks, I'm glad that our worship team sang that song across all of our campuses because folks, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, today's message is entitled, That God Who Sees When We Look Back to Our Past. And so I think it's going to be a powerful teaching for all of us to be encouraged to, to continue the journey that God has laid before us. Amen. But welcome everyone. My name is Omar and have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, if you're joining us online, live stream in our YouTube channel or maybe at one of our local campuses from Doral to Coral Gables, West Kendall, Redland, Homestead, or even here at Palmetto Bay. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much. We are just so blessed. Can we encourage our first-time guests again? Thank you so much for being here with us. If you don't mind at all campuses, let's remain standing for the reading of God's Word. So when we honor His Word here at Christ Fellowship by standing for the reading of it, and I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 19, verse 15 and 17, and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Let's do what God's Word says. As morning dawned, the, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife, your two daughters, were here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your what? For your life. And then they said, And do not what? Do not what? Yeah, do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. In other words, when God calls us to run, we don't look back. Amen? That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. <clears throat> Folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you may not know this, but when I was in kindergarten, I was the chubbiest kid in class. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was the chubbiest kid in class. I was super chunky. But, folks, here's another fun fact. That little chubby kid you see behind me, listen, th I, that he was the fastest kid in his class. Oh, yes. And so, in fact, to the point that every time we had a relay race out in, in, in the field for kindergarten, guess who they picked to run those relay races? Yeah, 
this little chubby kid right here. And folks, even to this day, you know, even though I may not run fast anymore, you know what? I can still have a little bit of endurance. I, I, I still like to run here and there. I still, I, I'm able to run a little bit. And because of it, I've always enjoyed watching Olympic runners. Why? You know, they're the best at what they do. Now, folks, follow me here. Because as runners are being trained, one of the things that they're always trained for is as they run to never look back. And here's why, for two reasons. First of all, it's a physical component to this. You see, the, the simple gesture of just, of just looking back make, makes your stride very awkward as you're running. You see, it gets your head off centered. Uh, it can make you dizzy. And, 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 and really what happens is it, it prevents you from really running the way that you were physically designed to run. And not only that, but there's also a mental component to it too. That when you are running, the simple moment, the simple gesture of just looking back causes a mind shift in your mind. You see, the moment that a runner begins to look back, they're no longer running to win. Now they're running not to lose. And so just a simple shift of looking back has a tremendous impact in their mentality. But family, when a runner is able to run head forward, looking towards the finish line, not only are they able to run the way they were designed to, but folks, it's, it's a thing of beauty. In fact, take a look. Pretty amazing, right? And folks, do not miss my point here. Because listen, just a, what, what seems like a minor thing in the middle of a race, just, just shifting your head back to look back, folks, can have a huge impact in the rest of your race and can, and can prohibit a runner to run the way they were supposed to run. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because folks, what a picture of what looking back does to our journey with the Lord. And by that, I mean that just like looking back, right, has a profound impact in, a, in an Olympic runner's ability to, to run. Listen, just like that. And here's the main idea for today. When a child of God is running towards God, it's on a journey with God. Listen, the moment that they look back to their old life, to the things that they used to do, to the relationships that we're in, the moment that we look back in our lives, listen, it could have a profound impact in our journey with God. In other words, what seems like a minor moment in our journey with the Lord 
could prove to be disastrous in the long-term journey, in the health of our journey with God. And who knows, maybe perhaps you're sitting right now, you're, maybe you're watching online, and you're thinking, Omar, listen, I'm tracking with you because there's been moments in my life, in my journey with God, that I tend to look back in my old life, to reminisce in those days, to consider those things. But Omar, listen, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be able to run with the Lord the way he envisioned me to run. So what do we need to know? in order to be able to run the way that we're supposed to run with the Lord. Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Genesis chapter 19, from the story of Lot and his family, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 19. And uh, today I have three important thoughts for us to know of what we need to keep in mind when we're running in our journey with God. Christ Fellowship at our campus, are you ready to dive into God's Word? Come on, let me hear you. All right. So three things for us to know. Write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing, and it's this. That God wants us to run with commitment and with urgency. Now let's go to God's Word in Genesis chapter 19. It says this. So as morning dawned, <clears throat> The angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And as they brought him out, one said, Escape for your what? Yeah, for your life. Escape for your life. And do not what? Yeah, do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Now stop right there and slip into the scene for a moment. Because last week we saw that God had decided to bring judgment on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Pastor Al taught us, right, that in order to understand really the mercy and the grace of God, we also need to understand the necessity for the judgment of God on sin. Amen? And so as God was about to bring judgment at that point in time on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, he had mercy on Lot and his family, and he provided a way out for them. And so as the angels appeared to him, they commanded him, listen, leave this place and run for your life. In other words, now that God has had mercy on your life, Lot, now get out and run for your life to the salvation that God has provided for you. And folks, for those of us who are already believers in Christ, right, who are on a journey with the Lord, folks, we may not be in the exact same circumstances as Lot, obviously, right? But folks, it's essentially what God does for us. You see, God has promised that one day he will settle the score, that there's going to be judgment on sin and all evil. And for whatever reason, listen, he has shown mercy to you. According to his sovereign plan, at some point in his life, he intervened in your life. He opened up your eyes to see the beauty of Christ. He, he led you to come to faith in Christ. You got saved. And now he says, listen, I'm going to bring judgment. I've provided mercy and salvation. Now run in the journey and the way that I want you to go. And I want you to run with commitment and with urgency. In fact, God's word oftentimes uses our journey with God in terms of running a race. 
In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with what, church? Endurance. With endurance. The what? The race that is set before us. But folks, here is the issue. In fact, write this down as big number two. And that is that our sinful hearts are tempted to look back. See, the truth of the matter is that even though God has called us to live to a life with him, at times we look back to consider our old life. And here's the issue. When we start looking back and considering our old life, here's what happens. Write this down as letter A. We then resist. We resist leaving our old life. Now let's go back to the passage and listen to what happened to Lot. Because as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he, what church family? He what? He lingered. He lingered. Now circle the word lingered there for a moment. Because in, in our last series, um, the family trust, at the beginning of it, if you recall, we learned how Abraham and brought his nephew Lot to the land of Canaan with him. And when they began to settle, if you recall, uh, Lot uh, uh, settled his tent looking towards Sodom. And before we know it, he was living inside of Sodom. And it seems that throughout the years of Lot living inside of Sodom, he developed some sort of an attachment to the city to the point that when the angels told him to run, he what? He He lingered. And here's what happens. So often when God calls us into a relationship with him, folks, we can do the same, can't we? We can linger about with things in our own life. So the question that I want to pose for us today at all campus is this. What is an area, an old area in your life that you're still lingering around? What is that thing in your life that you keep looking back and you keep lingering about your old life? For some of us, it's like God telling you, listen, this relationship that you are in It's not healthy for you. It's not God's best for you. It's not what I want for you. Yet at the end of the day, you linger in that relationship. For some of us, maybe it's a group of friends. You know how it is. The group of friends who at the end of the day, you know is not God's best for you. They're not helping you grow in your relationship with Christ But for whatever reason, you still linger with those group of friends. Maybe for some of us, it's a lifestyle. On Friday nights, Saturday nights. And even though God has called you into a relationship with him, he set the path for you to run. And you know that that lifestyle is not God's best for you. You still linger. 
For some of us, it's a sexual sin of some sort. You know that sexual sin is not honoring God. You know God has better plans for you, yet you're still lingering in a sexual sin. I mean, listen, it could be anything. It could be greed. It could be bitterness. It could be unforgiveness. It could be anything that God's telling you, you, I saved you for way more than this. And that one thing, you're still lingering around that thing. If I could be honest, you know, there was a moment in my life where I felt God was calling me to run, but I still lingered. See, back when I was early on in my early 20s, there was a moment where God really awakened me and he told me, Omar, it's time to run. It's time, it's time to run the race that God, that I have envisioned for you. But here's what's happening. I had a group of friends that I grew up with. And here's what's happening. You know how it is. We all say it like this. They're not bad people, right? We say it like that. You know, we're not, they're not bad people. But here's the honest truth. They're not living for Christ. They're not pursuing the Lord. And so what was happening was that there was something in me that I knew that God was calling me to run, yet in critical moments in the week, I would go and hang out with them and I would be exposed to things I shouldn't be exposed. I would be tempted in ways I shouldn't be tempted. I would be, um, I would be in atmospheres that I knew were not healthy for me. And so what, what happened? I kept lingering with my old group of friends. And I remember vividly, there was one moment that I was in a situation where I said, no more. I was too convicted. There, I cannot be doing this. I cannot be in this atmosphere. No more. And listen, it's not like I walked away from the front. I never spoke to them again. I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so in touch with them. But I had to get myself out of those environments and you know where God led me to? I, get, I got out of my, those environments and I got myself into a men's small group and a men's Bible study. And folks, the men in that small group became really my closest friends. And I began to grow like never before. And folks, here's what's amazing. The moment that I left those group of friends, God provided other people to help me in my journey with the Lord. Amen? And so listen... Which is why small groups are really so important for, for me. Listen, you need to know that what your pastor's main priority for you. Listen, after you get saved, after you worship God, you come to worship God. Listen, if you want to know the first thing that I want for you, it's very simple. Get yourself in the context of a small group of biblical community where you surround yourself with the right people to help you run in your journey with God. God has too many big plans for you, for you to stay lingering with things are, that are not worth it. Can I get an amen to that? And folks, here's what happens. God sometimes in his grace, when we linger with things that we're not supposed to linger around, here's what happens sometimes. God will force you to leave. In fact, listen to what happens next in the story. It says, so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being what, church? Merciful. Merciful to him. 
and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Now, folks, you got to love this because God at some point said, hey, Lot, you don't want to leave? I'm going to force you to leave. In fact, it says that he physically forced them to get out of the city. And I love what it says right after. It says, the Lord being what? Merciful to him. You see, there's going to be moments that when you don't want to leave that thing you're lingering, God is going to force you to leave that, not because he doesn't love you, but because he loves you. In fact, sometimes that is an act of mercy that God does for us. When he destroys that one thing in your life to awaken you because he knows that if my son or my daughter stays in that environment, it's going to impact her or him for the future. So he will disrupt things in your life when you keep lingering. Why? Because he has better plans for you. Can we praise God today for that? And folks, listen, not only do we linger, but here's another thing we can do. Write this down as letter B. We try to make concessions, concessions with our old life. In fact, listen to what happens next. And Law said to them, oh, no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest disaster overtake me and, and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. So folks, here is just what's crazy. God, Lot knows the judgment that's coming. Lot knows that God has provided a place of salvation for him. God has already set the road to that, which is the hills, right, to the hills. But somewhere along the way, in the middle, this says, no, 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 wait, wait a second, wait a second. There is, you know, if, if, if the city of Sodom is here and the hills are here, right in the middle, there was a small little city. So, so Lot said, no, 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 I don't want to go all the way to where you want me to go. How about if I just go to the middle point? You know, there's a small little city. I could go there. Can, can I do that? So he starts, almost starts, you know, making concessions or, or negotiating with the salvation of God, with what God wants him to do. And folks, oftentimes we can do the same thing with God. There's moments that God has set a journey for us that we know clearly what God is telling us to do. But somewhere along the way, we started trying to make concessions with God. So for example, you know that God does not want you to be in a specific relationship that is not honoring the Lord. And you say, well, Lord, 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 I'll be in this relationship, but I won't sleep with them that much. Oh, Lord, you know, I'll go to that party. I, 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 I'm going to go to that party that I know you don't want me to go to, but don't worry, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get that drunk. Oh, Lord, you know, 
I know you don't want to wa- you don't want me to be watching pornography. That's not honoring to you. But don't worry, Lord. I, I won't do it that much. I'll just do it randomly. You see what happens? Somewhere along the way, we start making concessions with God. We start making negotiations with God of, of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. But listen, child of God, when God has called you to run, if he set a path for you, has a plan for your future, for to, get, to bless you and to give you a plan and hope, listen, you run, child of God. Can I get an amen to that? Unfortunately, listen, Lot eventually listened, but his wife did not listen. In fact, listen to what happens next. This is the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. And then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and, and what grew on the ground. But notice what happened. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. So what do we see? Obviously, Lot's wife, as she's running, she was more enamored with the things of Sodom than with the things of the Lord. And as a result, God brought the same judgment upon her. And who knows, maybe you're here thinking, no more, listen, I'm sitting here, I'm listening, and I feel like you're preaching to me. Because, listen, I love the Lord. I'm coming to church. I want to do my best. I I really want to do my best. But if I can be honest, in the depth of my heart, I keep looking back to my old life. I keep looking back to the things I used to. So, But I want to run the course that God has set for me. So, 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 So what are some things I need to do as I run? Well, listen, write this down as big number three. Listen, when you are tempted to look back, you look forward amen. to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Now listen to what Hebrews says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to what, church? Jesus. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, listen, when you are tempted to look back, very simple. Listen, look to the Lord. Look to Jesus. See, what I love about it is what the passage is saying is that the moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and resurrected to new life, it's almost like he paved the way for your salvation. And if this over here is your sin and your life, and the Lord is here waiting, pave the way. He's saying, run to me. Keep your eyes on me. Do not look back. And folks, here is how you can keep your eyes on Jesus, write this down as letter A. First of all, the way you keep your eyes on the prize is by remembering the crowd cheering you on. Now, listen to again to what the passage states in in Hebrews 12. It says this. It says, therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of what, church? Witnesses. Of witnesses. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the question you probably have at all of our campuses is this, is who are these witnesses? Who are these witnesses that are watching us in a sort, or we're the witnesses that, that they're surrounding us as we run the race of faith? Well, folks, these are the great saints of old. Listen, a saint is not a statue in some sort of old church. That's not what, truly what a saint is. A saint, according to Scripture, is any person in the history of humanity that has placed their faith in the true living God. Amen? And so what's amazing here is that in, this is Hebrews 12. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, there is a long list of the great men and women of God who, who really, even through the hardest moments in their life, they were able to keep the faith, they ran the race, and they completed the journey. And it's almost like this passage is saying that we, in our race, right, as we run with the Lord, we are running in a cloud of witnesses, these witnesses who've already finished the race that are almost in a sense, almost like, almost like looking down, cheering us on to continue the race of faith. Amen? And you know, when I, when I read that passage, I think of people in my own family. I think of my grandmother who loved me so much, my grandfather who were believers in Christ and they endured and finished the race of this, of this life and they completed their life putting their faith in Christ. I could just imagine them watching me, their grandson, running the race saying, keep on, don't stop. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because if you could see what I see, he will never be disappointed. Listen, there might be people in your family, believers who've passed away, that are witnessing your run right now and are saying, run, my son, run, my daughter. Keep your eyes on our Lord. He is worthy. Can we praise God for that? Second, write this down, letter B. Get rid of everything that weighs you down. Let's go back to the Hebrews passage. Listen to what it says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every what, church? Wait. Every weight. Now, the word weight here in the original Greek text is what you would assume. It simply means something heavy, something weighty. And it's not really referring to sin. In fact, it could be referring to neutral things, even good things, that are not really harmful in and the, in of, of themselves. But the reality is that somewhere along the line, somewhere along your journey, you're beginning to focus so much on these things that are good or even neutral things that are actually now causing you not to run the way that God envisioned you to run. So the question I want to pose for you is that what is that one thing in your life, even that good thing in your life that is causing weight on you and preventing you to, from running the way you were supposed to run. What is that thing in your life? You know, for some of us, let's be honest, it could be a hobby. 
You pick up some sort of new a hobby, some sort of new activity, a blessing that God has given to you to start, maybe a sports, maybe something like that. But somewhere along the way, you're putting so much focus on this sport, on this hobby, on this new activity, on this new thing that you got going on, that now it's becoming so weighty that it's taking your focus from the Lord. Maybe for you, it's your career. Maybe it's a business you started. Maybe it's your practice, whatever the case may be. Listen, a blessing of God that God has given to you, but somewhere along the way, listen, now you're focusing more on this business, on this career, on this job, on whatever the case may be, that now you're focusing so much that now you don't have time to serve the Lord. You don't have time to be in a small group. You barely have time to come to church. Why? Because you've shifted your focus so much on this career, on this job, that now it's preventing you from running the way with the Lord, the way you were supposed to run. So that good thing in your life has become heavier in your life. And if we could be honest and say in age, for some of us, this is a weight in our life. Sometimes we put so much focus on our phones day in and day out, day in and day out. Really, these are blessings of God. We communicate, we can get up to date, it makes life easier. But somewhere along the way, you've gotten so addicted, you put so much focus on this phone, on social media, on everything going on, that you don't have time for things for the Lord. You wake up in the morning and you spend so much time on this phone that you don't even have time to spend time with the Lord. And then you wonder why you, why, why you walk with the Lord is struggling. You see, God has given you a blessing like a foam, but somewhere along the way, you've turned this foam, this good thing, into a weight in your walk with the Lord that's preventing you from running the way that you were supposed to run. Child of God, that is not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is not to turn the blessings of God, put so much focus that now it's weighing you down and not being able to run the way that you're supposed to run. God has way more plans for you than that. Can we praise God in agreement for this? Not only that, listen, you want to stay focused on Jesus? Here's a third thing. Write this down, Sutter C. Get rid of every sin that entangles you. Now let's go back to taxes. Listen carefully. This is therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and what, church family? Sin. And sin which clings so closely. See, for some of us, there is a sin in our life that is clinging way too close to us and it's entangling as we run. And so the question I want to pose for us is this. What is that sin in your life? What is that sin, not a sporadic sin, but the habitual sin that you've developed in your life, that the more you do it, it's almost like, it's almost like a strong cord wrapping around your legs that is preventing you from running the race that God has called you to run. And because you keep going back to that sin, it's almost like you're getting tripped up and you fall to the floor. You get up, you try to run, but you get keep tripping up. So what is that sin 
that is entangling you, that is preventing you from running the way that God is supposed to, that God has envisioned you to run. You know, for some of us, it's lust. For some of us, it's pornography. For some of us, it's greed, bitterness, again, unforgiveness. Some of us get prone to anger way too quickly. For some of us, it's just way too much drinking. For some of us, it can even be an adulterous relationship at work that no one knows but you. And every time you go to work, it's tripping you up in your walk with God. What is it in your life that's tripping you up? Because you need to remember, listen, that God, the Son of God, did not die on a cross for your sins so that you could keep being entangled in this sin over and over and again. Listen, if you can identify a sin in your life, child of God, it's time for you to get untangled and to start running the way that God has envisioned you to run. Amen? It's time. And then lastly, write this down, letter D. Remember that the rewards of Jesus are greater than the cost of following him. See, what many people do not realize is when the enemy comes to you, to tempt you with some sort of sin, I'm going to show you a visual of how the enemy comes to you. Pay attention here really quick. Here's how he comes to you. He comes to you like this. He comes to you like this. And here's why. On one hand, he's going to show you, all right, all the brief pleasures of that sin. He's going to show it to you like this. It's amazing. But you know what he's never going to show you? The consequence of that sin. He keeps it hid in the back. Because if he shows you with both hands the brief pleasure of that sin and the lasting consequence of that sin, listen, it will prove his, his point wrong, right? So he will always, what, hide the consequence of sin and only show you the benefit of that sin. Why? Because the consequence of that sin far outweighs. The brief pleasure of that sin. Isn't that right? But when the Lord comes to you, our good Lord, here's what he does. He first shows, he comes to you like this. He shows you the cost of following him. But he also shows you the benefit and the blessing of following him. Why? Because the blessings and the benefit of following him greatly outweigh the cost of following him. That is who our Lord is. Can we praise God for that? And folks, let me end with this. You know, the reason that I'm so passionate about sharing this with you is because, listen, I've experienced this in my own life. Like I told you earlier, listen, there was, I came to know Christ very early on in my life when I was growing up. But it wasn't until later in my life, when I was in my teenage years, in my 20s, where 
you know, I struggled in my walk with the Lord. And here's what happened after that moment where God called me to run with him and not look back, right? Here's what would happen. As I was running with the Lord, I kept looking back to the things of the world, what my friends were doing, what's happening in the world. And I was wondering in my, in my life, is it worth going and trying that out? Is it worth giving myself to that? Is it worth, if, am, am, am I missing something out that I'm going to regret? And by the grace of God, the Lord showed me, listen, no more. The, wor- the world has nothing for you. What I have for you far exceeds, far away, anything that the world has for me. So run, my son, run towards me. And by the grace of God, I was able to run. I've experienced the blessings that it is to rock with our good Lord. Amen. I want to speak to some of us here right now, especially those of us who are high school students and young adults in your 20s and even in your early 30s. Listen, you may think that I do not know what's happening in your life. Listen, I'm about to turn 40 now, but it feels like I was just there yesterday. And I know what, what it is to live in life right now. I know what it is to be tempted with the things of this world and running like this, running looking back. Listen, let me tell you something. If I could give you one word of encouragement to all of our young adults, it says, listen, stop looking back and look towards the Lord. Listen, this season in your life, the decisions that you make in life right now will have lasting consequences for the rest of your life. Listen carefully. Do not get fooled by the things of of this world. Keep your eyes on the Lord because, listen, you will never regret following the Lord and trusting your life and walking in its path. Amen. Can we encourage our young adults and our students here today? But I want to speak to some of us here today who perhaps you're here sitting at one of our campuses. Maybe you're watching online. You're thinking, Omar, listen, I've been hearing you teach this whole time. And honestly, Omar, you talk about a journey with God. I don't, I don't even think I have a relationship with God. I'm not on a journey with God. I've heard about God. I've, I've, to me, he's just some, some distant, abstract thought. But I've never had a relationship with God that what you're talking about. I, and you know what? I'm here right now, but the reality is that I may not know much about anything, but I know I'm tired of the things was wrong. I need to get right with God. I need God in my life. So Omar, how do you start this journey? How do you start a personal relationship with God? Well, it's very simple. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, shall be saved from their sin and shall be saved into a relationship with God. So you're wondering, well, Omar, how do you call on God? Well, listen, it's not by coming to church. It's not by sitting down in one of these seats. It's not by doing one of these rituals when you were an infant. It's not by doing some church tradition. It's nothing like that. The only way that you can have a personal relationship with God is by putting your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the perfect life he lived for you so that you don't have to live the perfect life. He already lived it for you. On the, uh, putting your faith on the death of Christ on the cross where he died for all of your sins so you don't have to pay for your sins. And on the resurrection of our good Lord where he resurrected to new life to give you a future and a hope. 
And here's what happens. The moment you put your life, your trust in the Lord, you, you shift your, your trust from the things of this world to the, thing, to, to, to the Lord. Here's what happens. The Bible says that he forgives you of all of your sin. Every shameful thing. You walked in here today thinking, I cannot tell a soul. Listen, the Lord already knows it, and he forgives you. He, and here's what's amazing. Then he, after he forgives you of your sin, he then adopts you like his, as a son and daughter. He, he adopts you. You know, before we were creations of God, now you become a child of God. You become, you start a personal relationship with your heavenly father. And from that point on, listen, you start a relationship with the Lord, a journey with the Lord that will never end. But there has to be a point that you say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you. I give you my life. I put my trust in you. The question is, will you do so today? Let's bow our heads for prayer. My Lord God, we love you. And we're so thankful, Lord, for those of us who are your children, who, have, who are already on a journey with you. Thank you, Lord, that you saved us, Lord, that you've made a way for us. So, Lord, my prayer for all of us is that as we are running towards you, Lord, that we don't look to the back, that we don't look to the past, to our past life. Lord, this world has nothing for us. The world behind us, the cross before me. Father, help us, Lord, to stay steady in our walk and to run towards you. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you know, for those of us who are ready to feel at all campus that you feel like, man, I'm ready to start on our journey with the Lord. In a few moments, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, lead you through a prayer. Before I do that, I want to ask you to do, if, if you're here today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, no one looking around, it's a private moment. If you're thinking, you know, Omar, man, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to start my journey with the Lord. I'm ready to start a journey with God. I'm tired. And so I, Omar, just pray for me because I'm ready. Um, I feel like I'm, I've been looking back too much. I'm ready to, 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 to run after him, after the Lord. If that's you, listen, in a few moments, listen, with no one looking around at all campus, with all heads bowed, if that's you, just slip up your hand. Just say, oh my, just pray for me. I'm just ready. I see you, ma'am. I see you. I see you both. I see you. Amen. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I see you back there at all campuses. You can raise your hand. Amen. Many hands. I see you in the back. Anybody else? Says, Omar, pray for me. I see both of you over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you two in the front. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God. I said, you can put your hand down. If that's you, I said, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when I lead you through this prayer, listen, you don't pray this to me. You pray to the God who loves you and who gave his son to die on a cross for you. I'm only a man. I cannot save you. Pray to God. He's waiting for you, not with crossed arms, but with open arms, and you pray this with me, quietly to yourself. Lord, today I come before you, and I realize, oh Lord, that this world has nothing for me. So I come and I confess all of my sin. I ask you for forgiveness of my sin, oh Lord. And I ask you to save me. Give me everlasting life, O oh Lord. And for the rest of my life, help me to run a journey with you. 
a life that will honor and glorify you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.